0: Psalms 23 tonight. That's been our starting point, our jumping off point to to get into the rest of the Bible about these series about uh, in the presence of our enemies. I love it when you you lower your bucket into the Word of God, uh, you, you always come out with water. You always come out with water. You'll never ever lower your bucket into the Word of God and bring up nothing but dust. You'll always bring up what, whatever you need, whatever you're going through, the Word of God has an answer for you. And I love how you can take the Bible and just open it up and start reading and you can find solutions to the problems that you're facing in life today. And I'm glad of that. And we've been looking at the series of uh, uh, uh in the presence of our enemies. we looked at Moses and surviving in the presence of our enemies, how Moses survived all that he went through, and he still survived even though he was surrounded by his enemies. We've looked at Daniel serving in the presence of his enemies, and he served even when the enemy was all around him. Daniel kept serving God. He didn't turn his back on God, didn't give up on God. Then we look at David, and David was surging. He kept going forward in the presence of his enemies. He never stopped. He never ran away. But David kept moving forward. And that's what God is trying to tell us, that we should never stop. We should always be moving forward in serving God. But tonight I want to look at another man. And it may be something. In Psalms 23, verse number 5, it says, Thou, he's talking about the Lord, Thou, David's talking about the Lord, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies now the table david is speaking of is obviously is a table of the communion and table of fellowship but it's also the table of food and substance and somebody preparing a table and putting something on it for you to eat david said it's god that's preparing and spreading out this groceries on this table that I said at you miss how do you know that applies to our life tonight God does the same for the Christian this evening God spreads a table out of heavenly groceries for and every one of us a spiritual manner and every child of God that is hungry and wants something to eat can come to the table of God and eat spiritually I tell you why some people don't like coming to the, the table of God and eat from the table of God because they are so full on a junk of this world. I remember my grandmother. I, I love my grandmother. And Sunday she would prepare a meal. And the families would gather there and prepare a meal. And, and she'd lay it out. I mean, she'd lay out. That was pot roast and, and gravy and mashed potatoes, corn on a cob, pinto beans, snap beans, and, and butter biscuits and everything. She'd fix that plate and set it in front of me. And I'd just pick at that food. Jimmy, you sick? No, I feel good. Now, if a young boy don't want to eat, one of two things. Either sick or he's done been in the cookie jar one too many times. And I'd get in that cookie jar and I'd eat in that cookie jar. When it comes time to sit down at the table and eat, I, I was full of junk. And all that spiritual food there. And that's the same reason today the people don't want to come to eat from God's table. is because they're eating all the junk out in this world today. According to the Bible, the, the Christian, uh, the, the, the word of God is water and bread. It tells us that's a blessing. But water and bread, isn't that kind of a prison life meal? It, it may be, but also the Bible says lacking unto uh, three other things. Milk. Meat and honey. Now listen, if you're a poor folk back then days, back in my days, uh, if somebody laid out some milk and some meat and some honey and some water and bread, you're about to eat. You're about to have a feast. But see, nobody wants the word of God. They don't want it no more. They eat the no things of this world. They eat the junk of this world. And Satan has gotten us tripped up and gotten us walking and eating. The things that we shouldn't eat in this world. I'm talking about seeing in the presence of your enemies tonight. There's nothing the devil can do about it. There's nothing the devil can do about what you're seeing, what God's doing for you. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 1 tonight. I didn't want to get too involved in this this morning because it was in the revelations. I didn't want to get too involved with in it because I knew what was going to happen tonight. Revelations chapter 1, verse number 1, talking, talking about seeing in the presence of your enemy. And I thought, thought about this. I thought with all those other guys we talked about how, uh, they, but this guy, John, we talked about John this morning. And how if you want grace and you want forgiveness, you need to come to the cross of Calvary. You need to see the horrors that happen at the cross in order for you to see glory. John in chapter 1, Revelation 1, uh, verse 1, The revelation of Jesus Christ was of God unto him to show us the servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by an angel unto the servant of John. Who bear record of the word of God and testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Verse number nine John also, am I your brother, your in companion, your in tribulation, and in the kingdom, and the patience, and Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ the Isle of Patmos is a, is a small island uh, it, it become a, it's become a tourist attraction today and, and uh, the Romans began to conquer the world uh, and they made this island a prison camp. Uh, uh, they would actually uh, exile prisoners to it and what they would do they would actually would take the prisoners and go up their shore and just drop them off and say hey do whatever you want to do however you ever want to do it you can do it but, but the guards made a kept an eye that makes sure nobody could get off this island so on this island you got prisoners you got murderers you got convicted people that don't care they're, they're, in fact there's not a tree on this island there's no trees on this island at all island of Patmos there's no trees it's nothing but caves there's nothing there and what they would do they would fight among each other to try to get what they can so here we find John, taken from his ministry, taken from his post and duty of serving God, stuck on this island with a bunch of cutthroats just for preaching the Bible, just for being a Christian. Now, if John had been a 2021 Christian today, he would have stuck his thumb in his mouth, sit down and start whining, God... Why did you let this happen to me? All I've done for you, all I've been for you, I've done this for, I preached your word, I've been this. Why do you let me? Why did you bring me here? I took care of your mother, John Jesus. I'm preaching and I'm working, I'm living for God and you bring me to this island. If it'd been a 2021 Christian today, would have been nothing but complaining and whining. But I want you to see something about John. Even though John gets to a place where he's surrounded in the presence of his enemies, now don't miss this, please don't miss this. He is not focused on his enemies. He's not focused on his circumstances. He is not focused on his surroundings but he gets focused on something else. Listen, it is easy to get your focus as a child of God on wrong things tonight. We all commit, if, we, if we we're honest with ourselves, we'll all admit that we have been there. we focused on the wrong things. and Can, I, can we all admit that it's easy to do? It's easy for us to get focused on the wrong things, worldly things tonight. It's easy to get focused on our carnal things in our life tonight. It's easy to get focused on, on, uh, 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 focus off the spiritual things of God. And it's easy to get focused on the storms that we're going through. It's easy to get focused on the trials that we're facing and off the Lord and onto ourselves. But if we're going to live like John, we're going to have to see something. In the presence of our enemies. We're dealing tonight with seeing the presence of our enemy. We see some things, even though uh, the, everything that is around us. Tells us that we ought to be focusing on it, and we've talked about it just a while ago. It, everything's around us, telling us we ought to be focusing on what the world is doing. We ought to give the world attention, but let me tell you this: that's not should be our focus tonight. Our focus should be on serving God, seeing God, and praying that we get to go home, even though everything is around us. Tells that we ought to be focused in looking at Patmos, looking at the criminals, looking at the soldiers, instead. But John sees something in the presence of his enemies. In this book, John is constantly saying, "You read it over and over." it says, "I saw, I saw, I seeth, I saw." These are mentioned over and over and over in the book of Revelations, the words John is telling us what he is seeing. And don't miss this, and I love this. Don't miss this. He only mentions the Isle of Patmos one time. One time. We just read it right there. This is the only time John mentions where he is at. The rest of the time, John is focused on some things other. He's not worried about his circumstances. He's not worried about those that are around him. He's not worried about where he's at. Uh, he's focused on something else. Throughout the rest of the book, John totally ignores where he's at, and he gets locked in on something else. Most Christians get locked only in where we're at and what we're going through, and we rarely mention heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17, 17, 18. But for our light afflictions is but just for a moment. Working for us far more exceedingly in an eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You've got to start looking at things you cannot see. Ain't that about a dumb statement? You're going to tell me I've got to start looking at things that I cannot see? Yes, you've got to start looking at things you cannot see. God has prepared a table in the presence of our enemies, and we need to see it. Seeing in the presence of our enemies what John sees, I told you this morning this letter is all about Jesus. It's written to the churches. John wants to tell the churches something. John wants the churches to see something. John saw help for the church. I know we look at this book as things that come, the new heaven and the new earth and the antichrist and tribulation. I know it tells us about that, but before John says anything about that in verse number 1, 2, and 3, he deals with with the church now don't miss this even though John is locked in on trying to help the church the assembly, God's people now don't miss this either John wasn't help, was not just a help to the church when he was locked up when he couldn't get around John was still helping the church when his, when his life has gone sour when he is plucked up from where he was and placed in exile, he's just still helping helping the church. I know some people that can only be a blessing to the assembly of the people of God when everything in their life is going great. Everything in their life is going great. They can be a blessing to those around them. They can be a blessing to the church. But let something upset their life and they become a, a, a heartache. They become a burden. Because John knows that the child of God will not survive without this. John knows that. The life of a child of God will not make it without the church this evening. I'm against this modern day idea that you can be a Christian and live for God and never, (laughs) and never assemble to the church. That's not in the Bible. The Lord Jesus brought the church. He paid for the church and he expects us to assemble ourselves together in the church. We are called out assembly. And John knows it is important and don't tell me you're trying to be a Christian and live for God and you're not faithful for the house of God. You don't go through the house of God doors. Don't tell me you're a Christian because the Bible says you've got to be faithful and come to the house of God. I will tell you this, when you read chapters 2 and 3, what we find out, we find out the church has a lot of problems. Uh, All these churches in here have a lot of problems. They have a problem of issues. They uh, they can tell you where this and that. uh, There ain't no perfect church. There ain't no perfect pastor. And there certainly ain't no perfect members. There's not a perfect Man preaching to you tonight and I ain't preaching to a bunch of perfect people. We have problems just like everybody else. But let me go on record and say this. With all the problems that we have, the church has, I still rather be in the house of God. I still be, rather be around the assembly of God and called out a people of God. I still rather be in the Bible preaching, Bible teaching Baptist Church. It, it, it puts clothes on my back and it puts shoes on my feet and food in my stomach. And it's the Bible preaching preacher that told me that I was going to hell if I didn't get right with God. Thank God for the church, and I I love the church. Amen. Why? Because in chapter one it said Jesus is walking in the midst of the golden candlesticks and. He calls the church the golden candlesticks. That tells me Jesus is walking around in here. Jesus is here. You say, well, I've never seen Jesus. Let me tell you what. I've seen Jesus in the church. I've seen people get carried away in the spirit. I've seen that. And that tells me Jesus is around. That's why I love the church. That's why I love being here. He's seen in the presence of his enemies. What is he seeing? Help for the church. And right in the middle of his problems, he's trying to be a blessing to the church. There are those who have problems and troubles. You show up and you try to help the church and try to get help for yourself. That's the testimony of the fact that the Spirit of God lives in your life tonight. That you find out, you try to help the church, even though you're facing circumstances, you're facing situations. You don't get distracted. The devil can distract you by two things in the church tonight. and I'm talking about seeing in the present enemies. He gets us distracted through trials and triumphs. What do you mean? He uses the trials in life, the burdens in life that pushes us from the church, that pushes us away from the will of God, pushes us away from the people of God. Or we could be doing real good and we get to thinking we're doing something we start thinking it's ourselves that done it. We got, we got so good, we done Look what I did. Look what I did. I've done this. You can't do anything without God. And the devil uses those two things to distract you to get you off thinking of God. And that, he wants no more better than to think that he can get you distracted from serving God. Have you ever noticed we're just like the children of Israel? We're just like the children of Israel. God gets to blessing them real good God starts giving them they start conquering they get the big head think it's all about them and next thing you know they wind up in captivity and God lets them suffer there for a while and then when they realize that it's their fault they got where they was at because of what they did then they fall down on their knees and start praying to God let me tell you it's the same thing with us we get to think that we're doing good I'm doing good I'm doing good I ain't giving God a thought to, and next thing you know I'll catch myself in a place that I should not be and I'm going through things I should not go because I have not given God the blessings and the praise for that. Then I fall on my face and I give God the praise and glory and God brings me out of the captivity. We're just like the children of Israel. We're that. If you read chapters 2 and 3 he's rebuking the churches and I find that rebuke helps us to grow. Amen. Come on. <laughs> hey, you, you, you can rebuke some people and they get that, I am going back there. He's, saying, He's going to talk to me like that. He can't tell me what I can and can't do. No, I'm going, to walk. I'm going to leave the church. No, rebuke in order to make you grow in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Look at chapter 4. He saw help for the church in the midst of his enemies, surrounded by his enemies. Don't forget, he's, he's still on this Isle of Patmos. And he's seeing some things in his enemies all around. He saw hope for the church. Chapter 4, verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was as if it was a trumpet talking to me. Which said, come up here, and I'll show you these things which must be hereafter. First three chapters, you find that church uses it over and over. Church, churches, churches, over church and churches, but over after that, from chapter four to chapter twenty one, there's nothing, there's, there's, it's silent about the churches. The word of church is not mentioned after chapter 3 until the last chapter 22 when he said, and the spirit and the bride have come up here. If You want some hope in this world tonight in which we live in, get your eyes on the fact that we're going home. This is not my home. Get your eyes on the fact that we're going to another place. Listen, if I'm not careful I can get caught up in all the stuff that's going around. I, I start looking that, at so that I can preach on some of it here. I look at and try to get some of that and try to preach on There's some crazy nuts in this world. we got them in our government. We're all around us. CNN said that the volunteer vaccine has not worked. So right now we're uh, needed to be making mandatory. Or you can't go to work. You can't go to store. You can't buy this. Can't do that. Can't do that. Let, let me just be honest with you. This vaccine is not the mark of the beast. If you want to take it, by all means, shoot yourself up. Go for it. If you want to wear a mask in your car when you're by yourself and look crazy like everybody else out there, go for it. I'm, not, I'm telling you, I, you'll never hear me tell you, you better not take it. That's up to you. It is not, it's not the mark of the beast. But I tell you what it is, it's getting you conditioned to the fact that you'll do what they tell you you will do. Amen. Amen. And that's how it's rolled in. That's how it's ushered in. You start doing what we tell you to do. Next thing you know, your rights are gone. You can't preach the Bible no more. You can't come to church no more because you've ushered in what they want you to do. Be careful because it is coming. We're being conditioned to take it. If you go to work, you can't buy, can't sell, I will take it. It's coming. Listen to me. We can get so wrapped up in this virus, and this, this shot, so consumed with this stuff that we lose sight of God. <laughs> I mean, you sit around in your house with your mask on. I know people sit around in their house with their mask on, Talking to the husband who they sleep in bed with, and they got a mask on. Come on, we've gotten plump crazy about this stuff. We've gotten so focused on the world, and lost focus of eternity. So let me just say this: if you want to take the shot, by all means, it is not the mark of the beast. It's not going to send you to hell. I know that. It might kill you, though. I'm going to leave it right there (laughs) too. Hey, it, might, it might on out, but hey, there. It is. But let me give you some hope. One of these days, and it won't be long, Jesus is coming and He's going to rapture this church out of here they will give you some help to think about this. I know I ain't got long. I know that he's coming back. I know he said he's going to prepare a place and he said if I go I'll come again. I'm resting down that promise. I'm looking for that promise and I can see around the world how the world has gotten and the Bible says these things shall come to pass. It has come to pass. I'm waiting for my Savior to come back and take me home. I'm not going to worry about what this world does because it's going to be burnt and all those crazy nuts up yonder are going to be burnt with them you better know Jesus said that this morning you can't can't go to glory till you go to Golgotha you can't do it he saw hope for the church in the form of rain look at verse number 9 chapter 19 In the form of a rain tonight. Can I say, anytime you start looking around in this world, you get tempted to get despaired, tempted to throw in the towel, tempted to get discouraged with what's going on. The devil comes up next to you, and tries to tell you this and try to tell you that, just remind him you're not on the losing side, you're on the winning side. Just remind him these of these that your king is coming and he's going to take you out of here. He's going to come on a white horse and he's going to rule and reign. Verse number 11, And I saw heaven open up, behold, open up, and behold, a white horse, and he said upon him was called Faithful and True and Righteousness. He doeth judge and make war. His eyes were as flame of fire, and of his head there were many crowns. And he had many names written on that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the enemies, the armies which were in heaven, followed him upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen and white cling. And out of the mouths of goeth a sharp word, sword, that within the sound smite the nations, and the rule the, shall rule them with a rod and iron, and it on the wine press, and fierceness and wrath, and the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When you start looking around of all those leaders that we have in government, I sometimes chuckle thinking you you may be in charge now. Go ahead and have all the fun you want, do all the damage you want to do. We see all the governments of the world are passing all these free love laws, do this, perverted, sodomite laws, and and all these things. Just go ahead and do what you want to do. But there's coming a day. The king of kings is coming, and he's coming back, and he's going to wipe everything, out the killing babies left and right it'll stop passing everything that's against god and the bible i get a little chuckle thinking one of these days and it's going to be soon he's coming back that that ought to give you hope that ought to give you hope that he's coming back he doesn't come back spreading his agenda like this. Well, we just need to have a little tolerance with everybody. We need to have a little bit of love. No, he's coming back. He's going to rip a vengeance. He's coming back. Let me just say this. At this time, like I said, if you haven't gone to Golgotha and you got yourself right at Golgotha, when you went to the cross and got yourself right, like it's too late right here. You can't bow down now. It's too late. The hell's going to be your home. Jesus is coming back to rule and reign. The Bible said he had a vesture dipped in blood. And the Bible said on the Old Testament where he got that from, that they treaded out the winepress with fierceness and a raft. Almighty God. And the Bible said the blood came out of the winepress, even to the horse's bridle, up to the horse's bridle in the valley. You know what they did when they treaded the wine press in the Old Testament? Do you know what it meant? It, it was not a time of mourning, but it was a time of rejoicing. When they treaded the uh, uh, wine press, they girded up the skirts and the, they began to stomp on that, uh, the grapes, and that juice would splatter up and to be on them. It was a time of rejoicing, it was not a time of mourning. It's a time of celebration. There was shouting, rejoicing, victory. You want your grace. You want grace you want forgiveness. You need to go to Calvary. Because at this time, it's too late. He's coming back as king and kings, Lord of lords. He's coming back to rule. Your life needs to be right before this time comes. Look at chapter 21. There's hope for the church. He saw help for the church. I love this. Chapter 21 of Revelation is my favorite chapter. I I love this. I love this with all my heart. Not only did he see help for the church, he saw hope for the church, but John saw a home for the church. Revelation 21.1, and I saw, and throughout the Bible, he says, I saw, I think it's over 65 times John said, I saw, I saw, I saw, I see it, I see it. He said, Write the things that you see. I saw. It's over 65 times John writes the things that he sees. And we get this clear picture of what John sees because he writes it down so clear for us to see this. You don't have to wonder about what heaven looks like. You don't have to wonder what's going to happen. John saw what's going to happen, and we just need to follow the Word of God and trust in the Word of God. And I saw a new heavens and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw, here again, I, John, saw the holy new city, Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice. Out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and there be their God. And God shall wipe away the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither no more crying, neither more shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We have to share so many burdens down here. Pains of life. The sufferings of life we made trips to the cemetery we stood by caskets storms we've gone through but one day there's going to be peace no more suffering no more tears no more death all tears should be wiped away that's a home that's a home i I remember when i was a little bitty boy I felt the best when I was with my grandmother, sitting in her lap, and my arms wrapped around her. I felt no pain. I hurt nothing. I, I I was in a place that I knew right. Nobody could hurt me. Nobody could hurt me. I'm going to be a place where nobody. Had. John John was rejoicing. Why should he be rejoicing? Because of the fact that people that were were taken uh, in chapter number twenty. He saw those, those that were taken in chapter 20. He saw billions of, of he, people bound hand and foot, cast, the Bible says, cast out in the outer darkness, where the wailing and gnashing of teeth. He, he was not one of those. You can rejoice, you can sing and shout, That hey, you're not going to be one that's cast in the lake of fire. You're going to be the one that's sitting in the throne with Jesus right here. He's, re- he's rejoicing because the place where he's going to is not like Patmos. And you're talking about seeing the image of John cast out of Patmos, and the prisoners trying to kill him. Mowry, trash, can't find food. The Roman soldiers hate him, and all of a sudden he gets a vision, and he sees home. You know what kind of help that would give you? And gave him help to live out his last few days, knowing that where he was was not his home. I'm telling you, if you want to help keep living for God, you couldn't see that John gave us a vision, and you'll see it one day, too. It is real. It is real. He he was rejoicing, but he's also rejoicing of home. For a regeneration. Look at chapter number twenty two, and I'm about, I'm done. Chapter twenty two, verse number one. Go back one And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, either side of the river where there was a tree of life. Now remember, last time we read about the tree of life was Genesis. You don't read about the tree of life anywhere else in the Bible. God gives it back to us. God gives us the tree of life back. There're a tree of life which wear 12 manners of fruit and yield their fruit every month and the leaves of the trees were for healing of the nation nation. And there shall be no more curse. Remember God cursed the ground. There's not no being more curse. God takes the curse away. And there shall be no more curse, but at the throne of God. And the Lamb shall be in it, and and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light for the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. God, a child of God, get your eyes focused on the right place tonight. You say, "Preach! I'm right smack dab in the presence of my enemies. So was John. Don't stop. It didn't stop him from seeing what God wanted him to see. It will not stop you seeing what God wants you to see. Seeing in the presence of our enemies. Hold your head up because it's going to get better one day. He is coming back. He is coming back. Let us pray for